Are you recording now? That's what she said. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't hear the. I don't hear women's voices. It's um, it's a legitimate <laughs> hearing loss thing. <laughs> okay. Um, recording so in process. Hmm. We're recording right now. Oh yes. This is a very special episode of the Illiterate Ape Cast where we talk about AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> like, like an after school special, you know. Yeah, like a, a very special, uh, dude, different strokes. Or I am ha- I am happy to talk mm-hmm. about AIDS, but it's not going to be the conversation anyone's going to want to listen to. Magic Johnson might. <clears throat> he might. I'm Don Hall, and I'm David Himmel, and this is the Literate Ape Cast. uses bad words. If you don't like bad words, maybe send and listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, we we have a special guest with us tonight. We have our dear friend Brian Beardmore is here. Uh, Brian has been a friend of mine for a long time. Mm-hmm. Family friend. Um, we've had his brother John on before. Mm-hmm. Um, love John. Love John Beardmore. Yep. Uh, Brian is much more likable than John. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's say that's saying something. And, uh, and there are there are a lot of ways where he's not. I would say more abrasive than John. A little more abrasive. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, then John that means you're really is like. Then John, you're definitely to me. You're anymore. definitely more lovable because abrasive is just sort of like it's my love language. So. <laughs> yeah, but um, but that's a good point about how you're more abrasive because that's a great uh segue into why like, this is i'm glad that you're on the show today because of what we're talking about um but yeah so brian uh family friend uh been around for a while uh he's a logistics sales person yeah he works in logistics sales and he's very successful at it and dear listener you can't see this but we're recording this on a friday night and brian is wearing uh, you explain it well, so I have a Friday shirt, and it's just a Target Hawaiian kind of, uh, yeah, just it's a floral print Hawaiian floral. shirt. Yeah. So I started doing it about four years ago. I wear it every Friday, and about once a month, a coworker says, I'm going to start doing that with you, and no one ever does. So I'm the only one every Friday doing this. So I've seen it now two Fridays in a row and confirmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, is it the same shirt every Friday? Friday? Every Friday, winter, rain, same sun, shirt, snow, same, same shirt, shirt. Yep. not yep. just like a general floral Hawaiian no, no. shirt, but that one, the same shirt. Have you yep. thought about branching out, maybe getting a couple of more? Uh, so I have branched out when I didn't know where this shirt was. That's the only, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only time I've worn anything different. Just in a panic. And sometimes, sometimes a coworker who I've worked with for like a year will unironically ask, do you wear this shirt often? And then other coworkers around me. Well, scold members, though that's Brian's Friday shirt. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, this is Brian, like, commit to the bit, man. Like, yeah. this is like pure. Yeah, go a thousand percent. Yeah. Um, what I love about this particular episode is because we're talking about what possessions that we can't let go of. Or yeah, what that we cherish, our most precious possessions. Well, that was the thing is it's very Friday interesting. Shirt. It's very like interesting Friday because, yeah. yeah, well, that's the thing is I, I kind of do a thing Brian does in that I have my favorite cod piece. Yeah. 
but nobody really sees it mm. at work. I just wear it and it makes me feel virile and like, go ahead and sometimes punch me in the balls. Sometimes the real, the real joy, the real spice of life is doing little things just for you. That yeah, only you exactly. Yeah. Cod piece. Nobody knows, but you I know. do like to walk up. I do like to walk up to my coworkers and punch myself as hard as I can in my nuts, but I'm wearing mm. my cod piece so I can't feel it, but they don't know that. It's really, I've it's fun. A, I've got a remote control butt plug that I will put up my butt and I'll put the remote <laughs> in Molly's dog food bowl. So like during the day when she's going to eat mm-hmm. and she'll bump it, it's like, oh, this surprise. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's little things. It's just well, what I yeah. like. A, so, yeah. Yeah. What I like about your, your, your butt plug is that when you bump it, it goes fa, 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 fa. That's yeah. what I like that. It, it works. It's my little cucaracha. <laughs> it, it is. It works. <laughs> All right. So it loves to just scurry up into my dark place. It does. Um, the thing is, the reason the topic is uh, pressure possessions is, is that we've talked a little bit about I'm a little bit more of a minimalist than David is. Um, David keeps shit from like high school. Oh, buddy. That's I mean, he's just a he's just I like a fucking in my garage. I have shit from kindergarten. Yeah. And and yeah. I, I and the thing is. I know I have my junior and senior high school yearbooks, but pretty much nothing in my possession. I have anything other than that. I don't have any college memorabilia. I don't have, I mean, I just, I'm more of a minimalist. I don't, I'm not really all that sentimental about a lot of shit. David just kind of packs his rat of all this shit. So it's not, it's not rat packing. It's more cataloging. Well, okay, fine. Here's, Here's my, should I should I ever become a person of of interest, not legally, um, a person of people find you interesting? People find me interesting. Yeah. yeah. Someday. That you know, if anybody wants to like, not gonna happen, go my stuff for like my E True Hollywood story or for my presidential library, like they have access to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna be like Anthony or no, no, not Anthony. Uh, uh what's his name? Yeah, Anthony Bye. Hopkins. I want to be like Anthony Hopkins, where nobody knows what the fuck your deal is. You just know what he does. Mm. What do you mean? No, like, he's an actor. What's, what, what else? Well, you know he's an actor, but what do you know about his personal life? Zero. Do you? I'm trying to think. I do not know a single thing about Anthony Hopkins besides he's old and he's an actor. Yeah. What more do you need, though? That's well, that's what I'm. That is what I'm saying, David. No one wants to know what your fucking grades were in third grade. No, oh, one, no, those are embarrassing. Yeah. no one will ever want to know that. So my question is, if you have three items, like if it's like, okay, monsoon, hurricane, whatever the fuck it is. A flood twice in nine months. A flood, yeah. And okay. it takes everything you own in your personal possession and it's fucking gone. It's just gone, right? You're never going to see it again. It's trash. What are the three things that you really, really, really want to still have that have a certain amount of sentimental value that say something to you or about you. What are those three items that you absolutely must have throughout your life? And, you know, the next place you live or the next relationship or when you die, what are the things that are really essential do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? You can go ahead. All right. Well, I did just experience a loss, well, a, a near loss of things because of the flood that we had in back in July. 
which was the second flood of our basement in nine months. Um, so yes, I, I keep everything or nearly everything. My failure is that I have not proper as the years have gone by, when I first started doing this, you know, there's less and it was just like, this is super easy to keep cattle up. But is it time goes on, you collect more shit, you save more things. And these are things, it's not just my, you know, first grade art projects, that stuff I don't care about as much as like notes and letters from people and things that I had written and, you know, like extra special birthday cards from my grandparents that might say a little more than just happy birthday. We love you. You know, if there's like a certain something to it. So just like these, um, it's a feel good file is basically what it is. So I started it. I started keeping things like this probably about sophomore year in college. Um, Cause I was like, I was, unsure of my life or where to go and i wanted to like figure out who i was sounds pretty familiar doesn't it now um but it was nice to have those things to go back to and like okay look people said these things about you you did this thing you are capable you have a history you have there's projection into you know or to move forward like remember what you were capable of um and just record of relationships that I've had throughout my life and not just romantic relationships, but friend relationships. Um, I, I know that I've got a note from my friend, Marissa Geffen, who's when her dad died. Um, I mean, I wrote a note and I came to the funeral. Of course I was, I was pals with her dad. And she wrote the note saying, you know, my dad would always come to Vegas and ask not like, Hey, Marissa, what are we going to do? But when are we going to see David? You know, like some little things like that, like feel good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So you're so living in the you're living in the past is is what you're saying is you're letting the past validate you're you're no you're lit, letting the past validate you so that you can be stymied and not do anything in your future because you're yeah. so stuck in your past. Yes, am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong, but you're wrong enough because it's. <laughs> yeah. It's right. This it's I, Brian, this is what I do. This is what I do. I'm a, I, I'm, I'm a provocateur. Well, so, so my point is this, like I, I did a bad job of like, of cataloging all of it. Mm. So when the flood came, a bunch of shit got wet. I couldn't easily go. There's my plastic box of stuff. Let's go. Or like if the fire comes, let's go. Yeah. So now what I have to do now that it's all dried out is I have to properly do that. So when, the fire, the next flood comes, I can just go, this is easy. This is mine and whittle it down too. Cause there's a lot of shit in there that, you know, I don't really need, like I get the point from the one birthday card that my grandparents love me. I don't need four of them. Right. You know? So, so, and, and, and Brian, that would be, be one thing. It's like this, this record book of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, 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 that um, doesn't count. That's what that's, that's like multiple things. That's multiple things. That's like saying. How if I get it into one box? Nah, nah. Then, then the box, okay. then the box. Okay. Is, okay. book. I wouldn't say that's one thing. If it's yeah. if it's a collection of records, yeah. Oh God! I say it's fair to be one thing. Thank you. All right. Because well, they, then my then my most favorite thing is my iPhone because everything's on it. That's the yeah. All right. Okay. I'm okay with that. No, well, that's not. what we think. But it, what's I, I guess to me, what is the least replaceable thing? So, mm -hmm. like, are there three things in your life that you would find 
that I can't I can't buy at the Apple Store. I can't buy it off of Amazon. I love my backpack. Right, cooler. I, I love my backpack cooler because it's so handy. I can walk around with it. And it's no strain on my body. But if I lost it, I could spend another whatever to get it. All right. Yeah. I, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to back it up because all right. I, I mean, you know, your answer is your answer. Um, so that's one thing is your box of memories. might not be right about something. <laughs> no, it's not actually that I'm not right about, it, but this is the impetus for, I think the question, there was a, a point when my second ex-wife who was a brilliant and is still a brilliant uh, director. Um, and we had this thing in our theater where she said, okay, we're, we were doing a series of sort of creativity exercises, right? And she she brought us all in, <coughs> everybody in the ensemble. She brought everybody in the ensemble together. And basically, we had one, for this particular exercise, we had one uh, task, which was to bring in three things that were absolutely irreplaceable, that were, were very important to us, that were like a big deal to us, right? And we had to bring them in. And then we got a partner. And then we had to sit down with the partner and show them the three things and explain why they were important. And then the other person did the same thing. Here are my three things. And this is why they are so essential to me. And then we had to choose one of the three things to give to our partner and never get mm -hmm. back again mm -hmm. that we're giving, we're giving it to them. And we can't ask for it back and they can't give it back. This thing that is most important is we're just going to give them. And the point of the exercise, at least from her perspective, was that's what great theater. And I think, you know, larger perspective art is, is that you're giving a piece of yourself to people that you'll never receive. You'll never get it back. It's a really important piece to you and you're going to give it away. And you'll never get it back. Now, my partner at the time was Patrick Brennan, and he fucked me. And I won't tell you what my two things, because the two things, I was very funny when I was going through what are the things, two of these things are still, they were the things, they were two of the things I brought with me, and I still have them, and they're still that important to me. But one of the hey, things Bob, was- were you, were you raped? No. Um, one of the things was a pin, a friend of mine- <laughs> So dismissive. Yeah, I know. No. A friend of- I was, I was you, technically, I know technic, technically I was molested, victim blaming himself. but that's because when I was nine years old, nine years old, my 14 year old babysitter and her girlfriend wanted to fuck me and they did. And you know, but, this, Jesus, yeah, this I'm just like, saying, Hey, you brought the rape the thing weirdest, up. It's just the weirdest humble brag that like finds its way into the conversation every See, seven, that's the thing is most people would say, here's my trauma. I'm like, bonus i got i got raped by teenage chicks when i was not rape they wouldn't rape that was like bonus i had a nine-year-old boner anyway um but the thing of it is i brought i brought this pin it was a wooden pin it was a ballpoint pin that had been carved by a friend of mine who had since died that was a big it, you know so it was a pretty big important thing but i couldn't give the other two things away well patrick didn't take the exercise seriously so he brought joke shit and so i had to give the pin to him which meant a lot to me and he gave me an oscar the grouch finger puppet and i was so fucking pissed you know because and he was like at the end of it he's like 
Would you want it back? I said, no, you missed the entire point of the exercise. You have to keep that forever. I can never get it back. That was the point, mm-hmm. you know, and I fucking threw his Oscar the Grouch finger puppet away because I was so pissed. But those are the things that I'm talking about. So we've got a we've got a box full of memorabilia of of uh, things. That- like Brian's got Brian's got the right point. I mean, it's. What is irreplaceable? Wait, I'm, I, I, I'm fine with that. I, I, I'm I accepting I it. Is this box full of just music or is it a box full of variety of things? This box is full of of notes and letters. Ah, and, and then I, I might be on Don's side then. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I thought you were saying it was all like music, but it's a, it's a, it's a variety of categories within one box. Yeah. I think yeah, that's, I, I think that's a cheat. Don't you, okay. I think, I think that's kind of a cheat. But it is, okay. it's, like, it's things like I've got my letter because again, and I just went through a lot of it because that's like got wet how, how, big's, how, how big's the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? I mean, it's like a you know container store. That was Borat playing Brad Pitt. That's <laughs> exactly what that was. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, while Brian and I are going to have three items, you're going to have 53 items. No, I have three items just in Three boxes. No, I have no. a 16, 14 storage container with a hundred yeah. things. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like you know, if you could just say I can put a whole bunch of yeah, I can put a bunch of whole sh- a whole bunch of shit in a container. That kind of that kind of that kind of uh, invalidates the question. What's so like, the one yeah, thing? On fire, what's the one thing in that box? No, what's the one thing in that box that you can't live without? Not the box full of things, but what's the one thing in that box that has the most importance? That's the question. It's not the, hey, I want to collect like, a whole bunch of shit. I it's, can't answer the one thing. Like, I mean, it could be like the letter that my dad wrote me. Okay. When, when, he, left, when he left me in college. That'd be one. Okay, you know, so like, that's that one. Letter. That letter is a big deal. So that's one. Give me a second one. Um, I'm going to say my external hard drive. Because that has same. No, that's the all right, I'll give you that, but that's really the same thing as the box. It's just a, a collection of a bunch of shit. Maybe, okay, so here's maybe the difference then. We're, we're talking like something two that can fit things. in it's one thing that can fit in your pocket, perhaps. There you like go. A, Brian's on it. He gets it. Like a legitimate, like you're like there's cheating. A fire, there's a flood. What that's, are you gonna grab? But that wasn't Those the question. Like, I didn't ask you about a fire and what you're gonna grab. I said, what are the three most important one. things? That was the setup. The setup was what are the three most important I would allow a hard drive as as one thing. Thank you. Yeah, all right, all right. We're fair with the hard drive, even though I think that's a cheat. Okay, so we get the letter from <laughs> your father when you go to college, we get the hard drive. What's the third thing? And it cannot be a fucking thing that holds a bunch of other shit in it. It has to be a thing. God damn. Um, I knew this was going to be hard for you. Yeah, fuck. I, I'm the only thing I'm thinking of, and I'm, I'm really second guessing myself on this. Is a basket filled with shit. No, no it would be. <laughs> It would I, I, a bag full of hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, <laughs> it would probably be a picture of, of my grandfather. I've had a picture of my grandfather, like a studio portrait from when he was probably. Fuck, man! I should actually like really cons- consider the math. Um, it was like late seventies. Was before I was born, so he was probably in his early fifties, like younger than you, Don. 
Yeah. But it's you know, like a business headshot profile bus shot that has been on my desk, was put on my desk whenever I got my bedroom desk in I don't know, third grade, whatever it was. And I remember my dad giving it to me and saying like, you know, and I live next door to my grandparents, but saying like, be a good student, Poppy's watching. <laughs> there you said, see, and that, that, that's significant. So yeah. That, that photo in the same frame I have carried with me into every single place I've lived. See, that's, and that's significant. That's a big deal. That's sentimental. That has great value so to that you that is personally. something that I guess yeah. I would have to because it has been a part of me the entire because, because the majority thought, of my life. Because he thought yeah. Poppy was all watching? Yeah, yeah. It was guilt. This is like the absolute fucking Jewish guilt. Yeah. Like, your grandfather's watching you be a good student. Otherwise, you're, you know, you're going to make your grandfather uh, unhappy. And, uh... You know, so I like that. I think that's I think that's the of, of the three things that you mentioned. That's the one that I, I resonate the most with because, well, it's interesting that you say that because my three things, because one of the things that I have and I, I thought I lost this when uh, Dan and I moved to Las Vegas, it, 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 we thought I thought it was gone, was that my mother found and gave me this wooden box. And it's I mean, it's just I mean, it's like a flat wooden with a hinge kind of box yeah. and it's filled with my grandfather's like some of his grade cards and his medals from the from world war two. Cause he was in Patton's army and his like a, a couple of like uh, I want to say like uh, he worked on oil rigs. So it was like evaluations. I don't know if they did evaluations necessarily on there, but it was like his, his work stubs where they said, you know, they was a good worker and I have that box, but I eliminated that box from my list because the box itself doesn't matter. It's the stuff in it and there's too much stuff. So one of my things is not the box. It is my grandfather's praying hands, World War II Zippo that he took oh. all through Europe. He, I mean, the thing is, my grandpa was at D-Day. He survived Normandy. And then the, the joke that he used to tell was then he got lost for three years. You know, what? he just wandered around from company to company because he didn't know where he was going because you landed in Normandy. And then they said, go someplace. He ended up with Patton's army, went to Africa, but he had this praying. And, and I say it's a praying hands. It's a, it's a smaller version of a Zippo. It's a, it's a U.S. Army issue zippo with a little emblem of praying hands on it and That's it still cool. works wow and 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 that is the thing Do you use it um i have used it before uh, and, but i don't but i don't use it a lot mainly because i don't want to i don't want to fuck it up it's it, it it is one of those things where and my grandpa died when i was 13 but he was sort of mom married a lot and so my grandpa was sort of my male role model. I mean, he was drunk all the time. He was Southern. He was an oil rigger. He'd been in World War II. He was just this hard ass, but he was funny as shit. He had the meanest sense of humor of any human being I've ever Love met. You know, I mean, you know, he, one of the things, one of, my, one of the jokes my mom used to tell is that I had my uncle Junior and Junior was sort of weird and sort of weak. He was just one of those kids. 
And and my grandpa would just fucking play pranks on him like he got my sister, got my mom to the he and he and my mom pretended like they were talking, but weren't making any sound to convince Junior he was deaf Uh, and Junior totally believed it. He was so neurotic. Grandpa Jay was an asshole, but he was really funny. And so one of my things is his praying pan Zippo. And I will never part with this. This will be something I will have until the day I die. Second thing that I have is my trumpet. You know, I mean, I speaking of Uncle Junior, Junior grew up to be a part of the the the, the Marine Jazz Band. And when I was like five years old, he gave me Everybody's a pocket band. Like you have somebody in your family that like fought and died in every, every single American war. There you go. Well, Junior didn't what fight. Junior, what, Junior didn't awesome? fight and die. Junior didn't fight and die. But he did when I was like five years old. Give me a pocket trumpet, which is a full trumpet, but it's tiny. It's all mashed I a, together. I a pocket trumpet for you. <laughs> and yeah, there you go. And he taught me how to play it. And so I've been playing trumpet since I was like five. Um, you know, at one point in at, during and just a little bit after college, I toured with Harry Connick Jr. I played trumpet professionally. I still have my trumpet. I don't play it very often, but it's 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 kind of a big deal for me. I'm never. I mean, there've been there've been times where it's like, oh, like you know, Charlie Parker. I can hawk. I can pawn this thing and pay my rent, but I will never. I'll never get rid of this trumpet. It's going to be a part of me. And when I die, I've written, I've written about this. I want to be, you know, burnt, you know, cremated. And I want a third of my ashes to go in my trumpet. And then I want my trumpet made into a shitty lamp and then sold at like a garage sale in like Minnesota so that I will be in the tackiest places for the rest of my days in my trumpet. That's, uh, that's the second thing. And I really struggled with the third thing, to be honest with you. And I realized the third thing is something that I got pretty recently. And that's an STD. Huh? An STD. Yes. It's an STD. No, it's the, it's the casino chair that that I was gifted when I, when when I left, that was, I was thinking, I really thought about this today and I was like, what's the third thing. And when I worked, I worked at, and Brian, I don't know if you know this, I just wrote a book called Casino at the End of the World. We're doing it, uh, doing a reading in, in Chicago in a couple of weeks. Very nice. but, but at the Wild Wild West, when I left as a casino manager, um, my GM ga- gifted me, knowing that I was going to a desk job. I was going to work at home and I was going to you know, be sitting at a desk. He gifted me a roulette chair. And it's, I mean, it's like this, Internet game or uh, interblock games roulette chair. It's the it's a it's a chair designed to be sat in for hours because that's what you do when you you know you're sitting there playing craps or roulette. You never get out of the chair. It's the most goddamn comfortable office chair I've ever had in my life, and it's a goddamn casino chair. And I went, you know, I think I'm going to keep this casino chair for the rest of my life because it really represents a slice of my life that I'll never replace it's it it just became you know and so those are my three things my three things are the the lighter the trumpet and the casino chair Hmm. yeah i think that that's uh i mean the fact that i struggled with it and that i couldn't get away with a box of shit yeah yeah trumpet thing's cool i think my trumpet thing is cool yeah what do you you got i think my 
so trumpet was the first instrument I ever learned. I think that is still on my childhood home. Um, but th- I'm if I'm really struggling with this because I think, as you mentioned, I'm the most or least sentimental person you know. He is the least sentimental person I know, and that's not a dig. It, it just, just is what it is. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's nothing of physical form that I could lose in a flood that I have that would really bum me out. Because all my favorite things, for the most part, are things that I've bought, and I could just buy again if I need to. But if I had to pick three things, I would, I guess, say first a post, like a poster, frame poster of Wrigley Field that uh, I think was taken in 1998. I think my mom bought for me for my 12th birthday. See, that's awesome. But yes, yeah, so part of that's because my mom passed away a couple of years ago. So that's like a, like a memory. She, she, we were at a mall, fed like a baseball tournament or something, and she bought that for me. So I would say that's number one. Um, number two, uh, I would say maybe my my college diploma or okay. college, excuse me, college degree. Um, yeah, I I, and uh, I'm digging very far because there's pretty much nothing that I care about. Um, <laughs> uh, so I went to an all male school i don't know called or no. <laughs> so you mean so you wait a minute so you so you went to an all-male school and the thing that's most important is the degree and not the cock ring <laughs> <laughs> those are just the memories that you can't take away in a flow okay fair um, fair <laughs> so they, they don't do it anymore because of animal rights blah blah uh, but they used to do sheepskin diplomas or uh, degrees so my degree is a sheepskin degree uh, yes that is real Huh. Um, and so that you could wear on your cock and fuck somebody. Yeah, with. yeah, yeah. That's a cool <laughs> degree. I'm more of like a diamond studded uh, in that regard. But um, so I guess between the memories, <laughs> the, the oddness of me going to an all male private school for college, and um, I guess because they no longer do a sheepskin, that's something that you can't buy now, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's number two, and then number three. I, and going back to college, because I still keep in touch with some of my fraternity brothers, I'm going to see them in a month for a rivalry game. Um, I guess number three is maybe a birthday card I got from my high school buddies. I think uh, um, about a month after my mom passed was my 30th, mm. birthday, actually like three weeks after. And they all gave me like a funny birthday card. It's the only birthday card I ever kept. Inside jokes, yada, yada. Um, again, I'm really digging pretty far here. Uh, but if I had to pick those three, I guess it would be those three. Dude, that one speaks to me yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah was, I'm listening to you guys. I'm thinking like more like, okay, like what single thing then? Okay. So forget my boxes. Um, fuck. I can't think of a specific thing, but I guess I, sh- I should think about it more. Like maybe a piece of art from Harry, like a note from Harry. In fact, there is, there is a note from Harry in my nightstand drawer. See, there you go. That, this is important. Like, I love you. There was a period of time for like maybe a month where he was writing us notes mm-hmm. and like we'd, we'd put him to bed and he would sneak out and he'd creep into our room and be like, I, I just have a note for you. And he would just leave it and then he would go back to the bed. <laughs> and the note would say, I love you so much. You are the best. Because he was just learning uh, to write. Yeah. And it, was, and it was like super sweet. And, you know, that's like a moment in time. Yeah. And that's that is the, like, yeah. You know, like when we we have Harry's voice on the on the Ape Cast, and like yes, we do. Voice doesn't really exist anymore. No, yeah, you know, that's a moment in time. That little baby voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then 
what was it? What, what was the last thing you said, Don? Was it a family thing? You no, know, my last thing was the casino chair. I said a birthday card uh, with from my high school friends. What was before that? Uh, I had a uh, the Cubs poster and a college degree. The sheepskin. Oh, sheepskin. That's sheepskin. Yeah, yeah. So that made me think about like, okay, I have all this random fur in my house because our I family. Beg, I beg your pardon. So my family business for 150 something years. No, I mean, but, but, but random. I mean, I have oh, yeah. fur in my house, but random fur. Like you it's don't know what. Random. You don't know what kind of fur it is. It's just like. Oh no! Could, I know it so could like, be the it could be the pubic mound of Picasso's mistresses, and you wouldn't know. A raccoon got stuck in the furnace. Exactly. Uh, a combination of both. Let's get nasty. Wow. Yeah, it, it's a little random. So I've got a. <laughs> there was just this fucking period of time, in I don't I don't know if this was a. A com- I, th- I think it's a combination of the time period, which is the mid late modern century, you know, like 60s, 70s, creeping into the 80s. And the business that we were in, we were in, a, you know, Himmel Furs. It was a fur business, a very successful fur business for 150 years that my great-great-grandfather started. And But they, like, just covered everything in fur. So I've got a bottle opener <laughs> that is covered in fur. Oh, my God. Do and you know it, what, kind of fur, what kind of fur is it on the I, bottle opener? It might be rabbit. Okay. All right. I mean, it, it, it's nice yeah, to know what I kind of my dad. I remember as a kid, like being amazed at like how the adults, my uncles, my dad, my grandfather could just like look at a fur coat or touch and be like, that's Fox. That's mink. That's lynx. That's this. That's, you know, I'm like, how? Lynx? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. That, that's yeah. an expensive yeah. fur. And that's what you want in a bottle opener is to get fur close to liquids. Well, because exactly. It's, 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 I'm with it. That's, you know, yeah. You want to fuck everything up. It we, should stink when, it, when you're we, done we after a while. It smells. So we have all these, these mm. shreds of things. So it's like, I don't know. I'm fucking, but here's, here's an inch and a half put on a fucking bottle opener yeah. with some super glue. My, my cousin Todd, um, he's like an, an age between me and my dad. Um, but he had his bachelor party. He had a he wore a fur covered jock strap. Like that was like the thing that he did. Like my cod piece. Like my yeah, cod, piece. cod piece. Yeah. So I I've got um. So I have that. And, and the Himmel first thing, like, there's an attachment to it because it's it's my family history. One half of my family history. Yeah. And. So what is, I've got my dad's raccoon, full-length raccoon coat that was a gift to him from his grandfather when he graduated law school um, that I can remember as a kid on, on the pockets of the coat, there are the are the raccoon tails. And I can remember as a kid, like being just that height and like petting my dad's coat, like petting his pockets. Um, and it's now my, my coat. And I tell you in the worst fucking Chicago winters, I can walk the dog in boots and underpants and that coat, and I'm fucking sweating when I get home. I don't know how the fuck dressed, like how people wore fur coats when people wore fur coats. Yeah. They're so fucking hot. Yeah. Well, it's because it's because everybody in, in earlier times, that's all they had were a pair of underpants and boots. I'm fucking 80s and 90s, man, but yeah. That's all they had that they didn't have clothing. They were just naked 
Instead of and then they had that comfortable. That's true. That's true. So I don't know if I would grab the that raccoon coat, but there's a tapestry that I have that was my great my great grandfather's. Um, that's like a, a tiger doing something in it, like prowling through the jungle. But it's all these different kinds of furs, and it's really beautiful and super fucking gaudy and tacky as shit. It's the best. And one hundred percent of its time, which is like early 1970s, maybe late 60s. But it was a gift. My my grandfather, my great grandfather was the president of the Fur Association for a number, a long, long for decades. And on his 80th, was it his 80th birthday? Maybe it was his 80th birthday. So it was like 1980 something. Anyway, um, but it was a gift from like the Fur Association to my great grandfather. And there's like a there's fur association on the back. And like, so like, but things like that, like this is such a weird thing of its time that does not exist, would not get made anymore. And it means something. Yeah. Like, is, the, is, there, is there still a, still a fur association? I, what do those guys do? Is that like a Kiwanis club? They're the fur, fur association? No, but it's funny you say Kiwanis club because um, my great grandfather was a Kiwana and my grandfather was a lion. My dad's a lion. Lions clubs, all that shit, like all that shit that's going away. So what do they do? I guess they're like wishing they're just waiting. They're, they're, they go to funerals. That's what it is because all these guys that stuck around through this shit are all 95 years old, 105 years old and they're dying like, off. So it's I, like Congress. I don't, I don't the first association. It's Congress. It's like, this, yeah. like, like Senate. Yeah. That, that, it was interesting to me that th- this guy who is involved with fur for so long, president of the fur association for so long, what do you get the man who has everything? Fur, fur. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like <laughs> it's just this fur fucking world. Like, wh- hey, here's a bottle opener. Why isn't there any fur on that? Hey, here's a straw for your drink. Why isn't there any fur on it? Put some fur on it. Put a bird on it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what yeah, it is. Yeah. It's put a bird on yeah. it from fucking Portlandia. And now we're sack of the news. In pro-life absolutely does not mean pro-children and women. <laughs> Idaho banned abortion. It tur- Then it turned down supports for pregnancies and birth. We got to add some punctuation there. Um, then Idaho banned. Okay, here we go. Idaho banned abortion and turned down supports for pregnancies and births. Okay, this is a moment where I'm thankful I no longer have Facebook. <laughs> and this is the point where I'm thankful that I don't live in Idaho. <laughs> Because you were wanting to get an abortion for yourself, bud. I all I can think of was, gosh, I need an abortion, and I also want to be in a place where they grow fucking potatoes. Fuck off. That's what that's been my problem. I can't find potatoes anywhere. Yeah, see, go to Idaho, get an abortion, and grab a spud. Here we go. I I uh, I got my Facebook got hacked uh, like last December through my email that I had since high school uh, through some like crazy jihadist thing or they were doing advertisements. I, I wake up at like four, I wake up at 4 a.m. to go to the bathroom and I have 15 notifications of spending $400 in advertisements, $600. I thankfully Chase caught it. It was okay. But then my Facebook RIP'd. I haven't gotten a back end moments like this is when I'm thankful I don't have. Yeah. I got rid of mine old. five years ago. I got rid of mine, Facebook and everything. I, I, I recently rejoined Instagram after five, five years <laughs> 
mainly and because I just the cutest picture of you and the puppy. Right, did right, did yeah. That was a picture of my mom, my mom's dog, and I watching. We were watching Survivor last night with my mom and the dog. She took a picture of the dog, and I just kind of cuddling. So, but I, I, I said I read on Facebook is Brian. You live in a world like I, that's Catholic and pro life. And yeah, like what what was what was your Facebook? Because I mean, you're not. No, I well, I the, I am well. I'm not like a zealotry of things. No, so I I guess it is interesting because I have family who are. I don't really have any like super hard right leaning family. It's mostly like you know right leaning or like sort of towards the middle, but pretty pro life. And I have some very very pro choice relatives. Me, I'm just like I, I'm. I'm a dude. I my opinions don't really matter. You guys can fight because uh, by the end of it, you guys are gonna have the same opinions. He's a yeah, true my, feminist. And see, I'm not, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm neither neither pro life nor pro choice. I'm pro. Let's kill lots of babies. They suck. <laughs> babies suck. Nah, man. Babies. So, <laughs> no, babies are babies are. Have you met a baby? They're angry. They're I mean, selfish. They're the worst. Hmm. Yeah, but well, let me just tell you, I had a baby. You're the, you're the husband. Tonight. You're the husband. You didn't really meet the baby. You just kind of hung out. Well, I've gotten to know two babies so far. I'm just saying, they're evil creatures. They need I, to be I have, put down. I've taken, taken naked baths with them. I know them intimately. Dude, don't say that. Dude, you, this is on a this is on a nationwide podcast. You just said that. That's you're gonna get you in a lot of trouble. That baby up there, Jacob, is the when that boy snuggles and hugs, man, that baby loves. The problem is not the babies, the problem is what they fucking turn into. Mm. All right, your next headline. <laughs> we just knock them off at like 25. Like after your brain fully forms, you're fucked. That's it. Put a <laughs> bullet in it, end it. I think and, you put them in a fucking closet until they're 18. Then you let them out and tell them never to come back. Uh, I don't know. All right. Hose, hose them down a little bit. Put a box in there with a with a candle and tell them it's TV. Fuck off. Eat some fish. Go. That's a, that's a funny experiment I would like to do is, Daddy, can I watch TV? Sure. It just changed overnight. I'm going to do this with Harry. Here's a yeah. box with a candle in it. This is This, this is TV. Yeah, this is TV. Pretend. Learn to pretend. Use your imagination, you little fucking monkey. All right. So in is money even real? Ah, who cares? As long as we're spending it on 125,000 people who might otherwise be financially fucked. Biden announces nine. That was a billion- long one. That was a really long one. Yeah, that's quite quite the indie. <laughs> Biden announces nine billion dollars of student debt relief as payments resume. Who's getting relieved? Uh, people that owe money. White white college nine billion isn't going to cover everyone who was. It's one hundred twenty five thousand people. Uh, it just says. In oh, this that's the chosen from the Bible. Oh, it's the rapture. It's the rapture. Oh, fuck! I was gonna see. I was gonna say it was the Mormons, but I think you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who qualifies as one hundred twenty five thousand? Yeah, who gets who qualifies for that, David? You know, no. This is funny. I this is an Axios story, and no, I read it. Yeah. Yeah, I, it doesn't really say much. Thanks. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. My, my guess is, who have total those- disability will receive ah, the relief. Okay. Um, fifty-one 
thousand borrowers will get relief via an income-driven payment plan that applies to people who have worked for twenty or more years but never received the debt forgiveness they were entitled to. Okay. Uh, that's cool. Um, Thank you, Joe. Workers who have uh, public service workers who have worked for ten years and made one hundred twenty qualifying. See, payments. there you go. All right, so Joe's Joe's giving away to the right people, and not just the entitled white yeah. white ladies, the white the white women who want to lean heavy against the anarchism. Yeah. The disabled, did they become disabled after receiving the student payment or student loans, or did they sign up student loans while disabled? Well, perhaps it was the student loans that made them disabled. Thanks, Obama. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, Sorry, give me a second. There's a weird. Oh, you have a chance for a subscription. And this is what you want to keep in. This is good radio. I, whatever. All right. Uh, not needed. All right. Your next one in this guy is more of, sorry. We did no opinions on this last one. On the last one. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we think it's we good. We don't have to have opinions. We just have to respond. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah it's you you can really say like on this next one, your response could be zebra and be like, well, that's what he, that's where he saw, was. So. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. It's, it's a Rorschach, man. In death, made a great tackle this week, and of course, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it tackled one of the fucking bears. <laughs> Even though this was one of the few good bears, mm-hmm. he was Chicago's son, Dick Budkiss, the Hall of Fame Bears linebacker, known for his toughness, dies at eighty. I heard another podcaster, uh, what a, a sports podcast I listened to. He said, I don't know how sustainable it is for a Chicago legend to die and the Bears play well. Not a state, but the, the Bears played insanely well yeah. after Dick Buckus dies. I mean, he is one of like when when the old timers say when men are really men, it's it's bullshit. But this guy was like a man among among men. Yeah. I mean, and you know what to that point, like Mike Singletary, look out because you're next and the Bears <laughs> are gonna fucking win the Super Bowl. Um, I'll tell you about Dick Buckus real quickly. He my cousin Todd, who I mentioned earlier. Um, with the 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 furry um, <laughs> jockstrap, so he was he was a TV writer in LA, and he had a show on Disney. He was a showrunner that he created, um, and he cast Dick Butkus. The show took place in Chicago. He cast the Dick Butkus to play a role, and he just thought it was the coolest fuck because like he's fucking Dick Butkus. Like Dick Butkus is a was is a, whatever like. Uh, did I, I think when I was when I was born, Dick Butkus was already done with football. Yeah, he was 60s, 70s. Yeah, so I, but I still knew about Dick Butkus. So yeah, it. I'm, I'm raising my hand. Chicago legend. Yeah, go. As, as 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 I've as I've said, I don't know anything. What's so? Can can you just tell me a quick difference between Dick Butkus and Mike Ditka? Okay, so first of all, terrible names. Let's just address the fucking. I'm just saying, I don't know the difference between one of them is a coach, right? Yeah. Mike, Mike Mike Ditka did play for the Bears, but then was the coach for the Bears for a number of years. Dick Butkus was just someone with literally blessed with the worst name, maybe in history. Worst or best, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Which made him an incredible football player. Okay. But he, uh, it's just a terrible name. I can't I think of a worse name. 
it's like he, an he, it's he, like he, I pay freely he, he was just very Chicago. He grew up on the South Side, and then he went to U of I, and then he played for the Bears his entire, I think, his entire career. It, it, um, most of it or all of it, yes. But was he white? Was he Heisman? Yeah. Was he Heisman? I don't well, know. Then, he, then he went to the racist South Side because they didn't know what. There's no South Side that's not terribly, terribly racist if it's white. That's a terrible uh, place. No, in his, in his day, it was still very white, and so that means it was super racist. So he, he yeah. played he played nine years, but was first team All Pro five times, second team All Pro three times. Um, so he played nine he only played nine years, but he Hall of Famer uh, played with the Bears the entire time. Um, he he is like if he, he is Chicago. Like, he is like I, yeah. if if you have like a, if you have a Mount Rushmore of Chicago sports, he's he's probably in there. I would say that if you have a Mount Rushmore of Chicago people, maybe I would put him up there. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But if it's okay, I guess. Yeah. Chicago's a big sports town. That's fair. Big sports town. And he was a but literally, <laughs> literally, <laughs> I would go up to see that that Mount Rushmore and I'd go, okay, there's Daly Senior. And who else? Who else is on that? That Mount Rushmore? Yeah, let's, let's talk about this for a second. Like, yeah, it's I like you're, gonna, Daly you're up there, but like, how can you? How he's, can you he's the guy that made. Yeah, yeah. he made the town. Come boss. on. All right. So, so yeah, then you ready Daly. Dick Budkiss. I mean, do we do Michael Jordan? No, you've already got one sports guy. You got to do something art. Yeah, but it's Michael Jordan. No, I, mean, I well then Michael Jordan takes Dick Budkiss because you can only have one. There are more things in fucking Chicago than goddamn football and basketball. You got a politician. You got a you got a you know. Let's go with a sports which, which, person. Which Chicago politician is like, yeah, we can all get behind this guy or gal. I well, mean, I mean, Daddy Daly because Daddy Daly is Daly Senior. Daly Senior made Chicago. He's such a, I mean, you know, whether you like him or not, he made Chicago. So Daly Senior. So you choose, you two choose, Butkus or uh, Michael Jordan. Who's it going to be? I mean, Michael Jordan is maybe the, the one most recognizable face in sports. But I'm going to go Butkus because Butkus was he's from Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. But my, Jordan's I'm not from Butkus. Chicago. Okay. So Butkus. <laughs> okay. So who's the arts person? Ooh. And can we hit Kanye? Kanye, No, no, not Kanye. God, no, please. No, somebody other than Kanye. Lupe Fiasco. I don't know who that is. Common. Earth, Wind, Fire. The Smoking Popes. One person. What? (laughs) Elton John? Yeah. Is he from Chicago? Well, no, but he's been to Chicago. He's well, got, you know, he's got, he's got, he's got a strong he's I was trying to think of the least Chicago person. Um, I don't, I'm trying to think of, uh, it's not Jane Byrne. Um, Harold Washington. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It feels fascinating. I It could have been, if Harold had lived, it very easily could have yeah, been. Yeah, it could Harold. have been Harold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can't Harold be Jane Wa- I believe if Harold Washington had lived um, <laughs> for another 10 years after he initially died, I think that he could have gone down as like the Abraham Lincoln of Chicago mayors. All right. So I, now I'm going to throw one. Here's, here's where your expertise and my expertise are completely different. You're going to go Richard Daly, senior Dick Butkus, George Schulte, who was the longest running and most famous conductor of the Chicago symphony orchestra ever. Big, big deal in the orchestra world. Yeah, I mean, that's good. Do you do Sharna Halpern from I.O.? Oh. I mean, how many, you know. Next headline. Jesus Christ, you just ruined my appetite. Dan Chicago. Oh, shit. Mm. Yeah. 
They're pretty Chicago. Put Chicago yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. All right. In this guy is more of an unlikable mess than Don Paul and I could ever even imagine aspiring to be. Giuliani to lose second attorney in Georgia, leaving him without local legal team. So who's more unlikable, Giuliani or his attorney that left? Giuliani's so unlikable. Even his attorneys are like, I can make millions off this motherfucker, but I'm not going to because he's a piece of shit and he's probably fucking broke. See, yeah, that's, that's it. Several of Giuliani's former lawyers have sued him for failure to pay his bills. He's just a fucking garbage. But well, he you, became like, a garbage dump. Wait, what? Have you guys seen Giuliani in pants on the golf course? Guys, <laughs> guys, you have to look up Chris Christie and Giuliani wearing pants on the golf course. See, this is the problem. Well, thank God they're wearing pants, I guess. I'm spending my money and my time on OnlyFans when I just need to fucking Google image search Giuliani in pants. It's one of the most high-wearing, like his waistline that he feels is his waistline. (laughs) It's his truth. He's living his truth, and his waistline is above his nipples. Some of it has been, well, just him in just long shorts. See that just the cute. What the fuck? That it, that's the weirdest look. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's his. <laughs> are you looking at all? Yeah, it's like look at these pants. Okay, so they're, they're, like, they're like they're not pants. It's like a this? skirt. Who says it's, it's like okay a... to buy? Who's letting this fucking degenerate out of the house like that? Like what? There's so guy. many stop gaps along the way that we're missing. It's like it's like a badly worn kilt. It's terrible. Yeah, I, mean, I, I should, guess if you're playing, he looks, he looks like Catherine Hepburn in 1936. I'm, yeah, I'm back nine. <laughs> all right, <laughs> I got nothing right. else for you. That's all I got. Let's go. Keep going. Yeah, that guy. All right. Uh, <laughs> in our healthcare system is broken, but no one is at the hospital to fix it. Tens of thousands of Kaiser Permanente healthcare workers strike over pay and staffing. What's the worst that could happen? Everybody dies. Well. So more than 75,000 Kaiser Permanente workers launched a strike on Wednesday last week at hospitals and medical centers across five states and Washington, D.C., which makes it the largest walkout by healthcare workers in U.S. history. Did it say what the strike is over? I assume um, pay. But... The strike is over, yeah, pay and staffing. Mm-hmm. Like and, it's... and AI. AI is going to replace. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, um, I guess best of luck to them. Well, let me see this. Let me let me push on it. Like your 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 father's a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're invested in healthcare. Like they're you know, I mean, it's it's what paid yeah. your fucking food, right? And for so, the sheepskin you know, uh, diploma, was, yeah, did pay for the sheepskin that, diploma. That definitely did help. Um, did you ever see anything or hear anything from your dad? I mean, even now as an adult, like it's, he's kind of winding into like retirement or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, ever hear him talk about like the the shattered the shit that is that our our American healthcare system? So during COVID, I mean, he doesn't necessarily talk about the um, at least in my experience, talk about the healthcare system overall. At least with his experience in his own hospital, especially during COVID, there's a massive shortage of nurses, and so they're offering. If if I I won't be able to pull it up quickly, but they're offering bonuses that were exceeding like over a hundred bucks an hour um, in bonuses. Uh, during certain shifts and that didn't include their normal shift uh, pay. And so like some of some of the the pay they had to, I guess, incentivize people with 
was so extreme because there was such a shortage. I think part of that was because uh, nurses were getting offered great pay to do abroad travel. Um, and so I think part of the problem, at least from what I've heard, is um, the amount of work and uh, student loan debt nurses have to get into in order to get these jobs. Uh, and there are more opportunities for, I guess, women to get jobs elsewhere. And so I don't know um, if it's, I, it has gotten better, but I don't know what the long-term play mm-hmm. is for that. Yeah. And my answer is, uh, I think everybody that works for the healthcare system should absolutely get the raises they want as soon as uh, the healthcare itself is better. Because right now they're asking for a raise for subpar bullshit, 40th in the world healthcare. Yeah, but hang on. No, I'm no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If the if the if the auto workers were striking and their cars sucked, then it would say you don't deserve more fucking money. If if every goddamn show on television and in movies was as good as a Star Wars thing on Disney Plus, I'd say you don't fucking deserve more fucking money. Strike this. What I would say is I think everybody in the healthcare system deserves more money if the healthcare system is fucking worth it. And right now I'm looking at my dying father with dialysis and I'm telling you it ain't fucking worth it. Okay, two things there. First, the thing is your father who's been dying on dialysis for years yeah. ain't fucking dying. <laughs> Well, well, you know, David, 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 that's well, that's, that's your you definition know. of dying. Yeah, no. gosh, that that is that is a wonderful thing when you when you look at the healthcare profession and you actually do some of the math and you actually read some of the stuff is that curing people and helping people live longer are two different things. Very much, yeah. And and right now it's the 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 emo the, the motivation is to get them as on, on as many drugs that will prolong their life without making their life any better or curing any of their disease quality of life versus. And so my perspective is I want everybody in the healthcare profession who I know it is not for the most part, their fault. I want them all to get raises, but I don't want them to get raises until the healthcare in this country is fucking at least as good as turkeys. Well, they should, they should be attached to like an incentive based commission structure. I would agree with that. Well, I just don't know how you'd enforce it. Yeah, I don't, well, know, I don't know how you'd enforce it either, but it should be nice <laughs> if it was better, given okay. that we're the greatest yeah. country in the world with the shittiest healthcare. We're not the greatest country in the world. Neither. For a thousand reasons because of our yeah. shitty healthcare, because of our shitty education. Because yeah, of our yeah, shitty yeah, I know. Like I, mean, I said, it's pretty good, though. When, it's better in a lot of places, but like our, our we need, problems are a lot better. Than we need to stop problems. beating our chests. You know, like, the thing is, good, it's, like, it's, oh, no. it's it's better than some places. We're 40th in the world. We're not better than most places. We're better than some places. 40th, 40th what? In terms of our health care oh, efficacy, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. we well, are that, 40th that on the planet Earth. Even if, it's, even if we are 40th, we would be better than most if you consider there's like 173 countries or whatever it is. Yeah, well, 40th, given that we have more money than anybody else. Per capita, yes, yeah. yeah. Per capita, yeah. That's all well, I'm saying. The issue is, I'm and saying. I, and I, I get what you're saying. I, I, I'm all about everybody getting more money for their work, but the work's got to be fucking good. If I, I, like, I love a McDonald's worker getting a raise, but only if the burger's fucking edible. If the burger's not edible, you don't deserve a fucking raise because you're giving me shitty burgers. 
As of but, uh, September of 2023, the U.S. is ranked 23rd for its public. Oh, health we're 23rd now. Hey, 23rd. Still, we're 23rd. Like we're, exactly. Not that problem, is, like not good per capita. The problem with that is like we're America. There's this attitude. We're America. We're number one. We're the best at everything. We're not, no, we're not. No, we're, we're not. 23 and like 23. Our, our infant mat- our infant mortality rate yeah. is ridiculously high. Our, our education system is failing on massive levels compared to other countries. Well, so we're not doing very well. So I'm all about I'm all like, about teachers getting raises, but teach better. I want to see some results before you get more money, motherfucker. But I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that simple as like teach better, treat better. There is a lack of funding and a lack of uh, support for healthcare professionals. In the the healthcare system? Yeah. That's that's all striking. The part of the system that makes more. No, 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 no. Hang on. The part of the system that makes more. No, 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 no. If we're going to go with, oh, there's just not enough money in healthcare. If I, dude, if I go to the emergency room because I get a system, my ball sack, and I don't have insurance, it's going to cost me $25,000 to get that treated. Don't tell me there's no money in healthcare. It's not going to the right places. It's going to insurance companies. It's going to pharmaceutical companies. Those are fixable things. So that's what I was going to say is the insurance, uh, the insurance system is a large part of why our healthcare system is so fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a racket. It is a it's total a, it's, it And is, that's my point. My point is it's not against it's not the, about the workers. The workers. It's really not about the workers. I think, I think doctors and nurses and fucking orderlies and people that you fucking mop the goddamn sputum that happens in hospitals all deserve serious props and wage. But the healthcare system for which they work for is fucked and it is fucked because of the insurance companies and anybody that thinks insurance is a good thing never had car insurance and their car totaled. They never had that happen because when you have that happen, insurance doesn't do jack shit for you. You've well, paid a lot of money. Car totaled and they did okay by me. Really? Cause I had my car totaled by a drunk asshole in an, in an escalate. And Look, man, they, that's, that's your truth. That's not the ultimate truth. Yeah, my sister so. got her car totaled and she was taken care of. My cousin got her car totaled, taken care of. Were they driving? Yeah, they're both driving. Okay, and somebody hit them? Uh, I think, I think, it, as I recall, and this is good to get on the airwaves in case it's true or in case it's false. Uh, I think, <laughs> I believe my it was my sister's fault and my cousin's not fault, uh, but I could have that wrong. But I think but they're both taken care of. Insurance. As long as you have good insurance, it it can make it so it's an inconvenience instead of a, a life altering event. Well, Which I've company? noticed, I've noticed at least <laughs> at least in my experience, and it is my lived truth. So it's true. I live in I live in 2023. My lived truth is my lived truth. Mm. Insurance right, is a scam. Okay, okay, lady. Move on to the next fucking headline. How, how <laughs> is how is your weekend at the orchard? <sighs> in there are not very good people on both sides. Here's an article out of uh, Vice, which is, I just, I, I love the headline because it's fucking Vice, these assholes. Inspiring. Republicans and Democrats are coming together to screw over the unhoused. Yeah. So, and this is like, it's, it's a funny, 
a headline ish, you know, like they're it's, it's snarky, but like what's happening is really fucked up. So what is happening? So basically what's happening is um, there's a big move on the West coast of the United States yep. with, these, uh, with, with the States to remove protections for homeless people mm-hmm. where it, that protected them from police arresting them for sleeping in a tent underneath a viaduct or sleeping in a sleeping bag underneath a viaduct. Um, the laws are, and I'm, I'm loosely paraphrasing, but the laws are like, if, if there is no, that, that like states and cities have to provide alternative measures to homeless people to protect them from the elements for the safety of, you know, just altruism and like, right. Right. And so not spending a bunch of money on uh, imprisoning you. Right. So like, exactly. If you're going to say like, Hey man, you got to get out of this viaduct and pack up your tent. They go, okay, where do I go? And they're like, Oh, you go to 176 and Maine. And that's where the homeless encampment is or whatever. That's going away. It's now like, Nope, you're going to fucking jail. So now we're see, fucking up our criminal see, justice system again. I have a solution for this problem. I'm sure I have a solution. You. I have a solution for this problem. What's it solved? Let's hear it. Is it kill all the nurses before they become 18? And- <laughs> no. If people want to live in a tent under the viaduct, that is fine as long as they don't talk to me. Oh, uh, fine. Okay, because well, ultimately, the only reason people have a problem with homeless people is because they have to talk to them and then they feel guilty and then they feel like shit because they're not going to help them. And so ultimately, if the homeless people were prevented from saying anything to them, then they're just tense and everybody will leave them alone. This I'm sorry. Good, this is I, such a good idea. I got to say, dude, like <laughs> six some odd years of doing this podcast together. <laughs> six some odd years of being. I love his smile, too. They, of, we all see his smile right now. But of, so. being, of, of being really good friends with you. Shocking we, David we is one of my favorite things to do. It's my favorite. We've had conversations on, on, you know, on the Ape cast. We've had a lot of conversations offline where you've said some shit. And like, I am often the one accused of going over, stepping over the line, pushing the envelope and fucking burning it. Right. But that right there might be the most fucked up thing I've ever heard you say. Which no, is, dude, it's the, most honest, it's the most honest thing because the problem with the homeless Don't people for, you, for, 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 shit for, bum. For, for anybody that is, is sort of like, and that's what I, it's my frustration. It's why I think it's so funny. My frustration is everybody wants to help the homeless, but nobody wants to talk to them. Here's the thing. I would rather, I would rather talk to a home, a crazy homeless person than have really? to exist next to the fucking asshole on the blue line with his gigantic backpack still on his back, just bumping into everybody and not even bothering to like adjust his weight with the train. That guy needs to fucking die. He needs to be fucking euthanized now. I guess the point yeah, but- is a- once that guy gets off the train, uh, he's probably just going on to his regular life. What's his regular life? Being a fucking mopey, I don't know, this fucking guy, you should shoot this guy. I'm just saying, he was, he was I'm just saying that high. if, pe- I'm that people, if people <laughs> should live everywhere they want to live, just don't talk to the regulars, because the regulars want to help you until you talk to them. 
Well, not everywhere you want to live, as long as it's not private property. Well, let me. Well, yeah, no, as long as not, the viaduct's not private property. It's like, yeah, right. put up yeah, a yeah. tent. I know this is, I, I know this is I saw a guy. Thing. I saw a guy walking in Wichita. Believe it or not, there are there are homeless people in Wichita, um, and I, there was. Just, I mean, this literally was last night. Uh, I went over to my mom's house. I decided to walk over there. It's about two miles from my mom's house. I decided to walk over to my mom's house. We had meatloaf. We watched Survivor. I played with the dog. And then I walked home. And as I was walking home, I had to cross a bridge. And there was this guy. And he's got a tent. I mean, he's living in a tent on the edge of the river. You know? And he's got a mandolin. And he's like. And so I stopped. And I was like. Dude, good mandolin playing. And I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I complimented his playing. And he and I had like a 10 minute conversation about nothing in particular. You know, it wasn't like, oh, hey, you're living in a tent. What's your fucking problem? None of that. It was just sort of like, wow, that's really good mandolin. Where'd you learn to play mandolin like that? We went to college doing that. We didn't talk about why he was living in a tent. He just was living in a tent. I was like, okay. And, and, you know, I guarantee you, it was one of maybe three conversations all week this guy actually had with just somebody walking by. And I'm not like patting myself on the back because if he hadn't been playing the mandolin, I would have thought he was meth addicted. I don't know. There's a part of me that wishes I could get out of the rat race and assuming that I'm not getting into hugely inclement weather, which is obviously a big if in the Midwest. Um, and I want access to regular hygiene. I know a shower, toothbrush, but tent, tent on the river, but tent, a tent on the river, playing the fucking mandolin and just hanging out. It's fucking amazing. Waking up whenever you feel like it. Obviously, it's it was. It's, it's it's like the poor. It's like the off 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 Broadway Jimmy Buffett. Man, yeah, that's awesome. And I but I'm, I'm inclined to get up. At the same time, every day, go to work at a job I don't really care about, but it pays the bills. Man, that do- that doesn't sound that terrible. Of course, it really doesn't. What you call, you're going to deal with the shitty winters, you're sure. deal with the hot summers. It's it go it. it so, but maybe take that, bring it to San Diego. Hmm. You Blong said, "I don't know why San Diego is not a city overrun by homeless people, because that is a that is a weather. town that like." Yeah, but it's know, the most it's a like, very conservative it's, town, it's, dude. The most of, of all the cities in the United States, it is the most uh temp temperate and 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 bankable. And it's and like, it's super and conservative. Homeless, if I were ever homeless, I would fucking beg for money for a fucking Greyhound bus ticket. And, and dude, and mm-hmm. that and see, and that's your problem. You'd beg for money, which means you're talking to people. They don't want to talk to you. You're homeless. I would work for money. I would. I would play. I would play with the mandolin or myself. No, just hold a fucking cardboard sign out. If you don't talk, people like you better. And now, an extraneous quote of the week to ponder as you consider life for pressing choices. The quote of the week is based on our conversation last week. It is from Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace. Oh, my God. Do we have another six hours to go through it? It's a very short phrase. It's a perfect quote. Do we have another three hours to go through it? The quote is, the truth 
will set you free, but not till it's finished with you. Okay. Fuck you for a thousand reasons. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a lot to unpack. Because you know, like, was it long? Was it? We don't have six hours, and it was short. And fine, hi, fuck, fuck you. Short in words, long in meaning. And so, uh-huh. hard, fuck you, because you know that I, I can't. I fuck you. The it's truth. Right. Also, the, also right. the truth doesn't always set you free. Uh, I guess if if you think you're in a loving marriage and someone is doing stuff behind your back, uh, ignorance. Have you read is, my book? Um, I, I have heard about. Uh, <laughs> I've heard about it, but there are certain instances where your life would be better if you didn't know the truth. And ignorance is yeah. bliss. Well, and also, well, I, like, if somebody like O.J. Simpson allegedly had told him, if he did it, <laughs> he did it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't set him free and put his fucking ass in jail. Mm-hmm. No, but the thing is, it would set the, the truth for O.J. Simpson. He already knows the truth. So the truth can't set him free. He already knows the truth. The truth no. that this we want to know will set us free. But the truth will set you free, but not till it's finished with you. It reminds me of, uh, you're familiar with the film Magnolia? familiar yeah we we went on a couple days one of my favorite one of my favorite moments one of my favorite lines from the movie magnolia which is one of my favorite movies is as the book says you may be done with the past but the past ain't done with you and i like that symmetry it kind of do you now now we'll go to another movie are you both familiar with the movie mystery men i know magnolia no mystery men Mr. Min is is from a comic book. It's a Dark Horse comic book. It's got Ben Stiller as a character called Mr. Furious, who thinks he gets super strong when he gets mad, but he just gets mad. And Janine Garofalo, who's baby bowler and her father's a disembodied head in a bowling ball that she throws at people. Gen X porn is what that is. It's the funniest, it's the funniest movie ever. But one of the characters is the Sphinx, and all, and he's supposed to he says these very deep things but the deep things are always sort of like open the door and you shall be set free but you cannot be set free till the door is open and it's just like just meaningless shit and it's very funny and while i don't think the david foster wallace thing is i think the past isn't done with you or you you may be done with the past but the past isn't done with you is sort of one of those and i've always thought that was very funny Interesting thing about Mystery Man. I forgot that I seen it. We watched it on a family road trip. I so this came. It came out in ninety nine. I was probably ten or eleven. A couple years after it came God, out. I love that movie. I, I didn't know it was a comedy at the time. Like, this is the worst <laughs> movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I was like, I was nine or ten. It was like, it wasn't until I was like seventeen or eighteen. <laughs> oh, it was a comedy. Oh. oh my god. But, Going back to Dave Foster Wallace's quote, what is a truth that is unfinished? An example of an un- it can can a truth be unfinished? I think truth can be unfinished. I think that's a really good therefore uh, a truth. Huh? It, it, if it's unfinished, is it therefore a truth? I th- well, I the thing is, I, I think that God, that's a great question. Yeah. I think I think a truth mm-hmm. that is unfinished is is a story that hasn't ended. It's still a truth. It's still true as it's unfolding, but you don't know what, what the end of the story is. And if you don't know the end of the story, then the truth is not done. You know, for so example, 
in your experience of your book you, you the truth was eventually down with you at what point would you have said that it was and you don't have to go into necessarily details if you don't want to but oh i wrote a book about it man but at what point was it a truth but unfinished to you you know, it's been unfinished until pretty recently, actually. Mm. Um, I, I would say that, uh, I mean, you know, the truth of it was she knew she was basically working. I mean, she had a boyfriend and a shitty metal band and she was fucking for money on the strip for two and a half years of our the last two and a half years of our marriage. And so she knew what was going on. I mean, it's like she'd already made she made her mind the day she decided. I mean, the day she decided to have a boyfriend, yeah, maybe. But the day she decided to take a hundred dollars to fuck a guy in the back of a van, mm-hmm. she knew the marriage was over. It was just a matter of time. And the fact that I loved her so much that I just decided not to notice any of this or whatever my issue was. Two and a half years later, she lays the truth on me, and. And pretty much immediately, because we're in Nevada, we got divorced like within three days because it was Nevada. That's how Nevada works. And it's taken me the better part of the last year, maybe year and a half now to kind of get. And I won't say I'm over it. I won't say that I'm free of it, but I can say that for a long time, all I saw was the day in front of me. It was like all I could all I could envision was, OK, I got a thing to do today and then I'm going to do another thing. There'll be some food at some point and then I will sleep. And when I wake up, it will be another day. And that's all I had. That literally was all I had for the better part of a year. And then at uh, some point, yeah. yeah, at some point. And David. David's big concern was that, you know, and he'll say, I don't know if he'll agree with it, but I've often been told by David, like like the most, I'm like the most optimistic person you'll ever meet. And I lost all of my optimism. I mean, I lost it all. I mean, I didn't know where I was at. I didn't know what was going on. And I think it was like industrial strength, um, like apartment building toilet flushes though. Yeah. It it just, it was gone. It was gone. And I I knew that the truth is six yeah. feet fucking wide, and it was, I knew that truth was finished with me, and, and and it was coming to a close. Whether or not it's finished, it's coming to a close. The truth about me, the truth about my journey or my perspective on things, it's revealed a lot of truths that had never been finished, but are now are coming to. I'll give you an example. Uh, one of the things I told, and this is a good friend of mine, years ago. She she did she had this like 10 year relationship and her boyfriend just dumped her flat after 10 years and she was devastated. And everybody was telling me the same shit, which is, oh, there's other fish in the sea and you can date. And you're beautiful and smart and everybody's going to want to date you and you could go online and could date all these people. And I didn't say anything. And she finally came to me and she said, you know, you haven't said anything to be done. I said, it's because what I have to say to you isn't going to be something you're going to like. It's just going to piss you off. And she said, all right, shoot. I said, Adam was it. That was it. That's the last person who's ever going to love you. You're done. You are finished. You are now going to live the rest of your fucking life all by yourself. Get used to it. Aww. 
And she didn't talk to me for like three weeks. She was furious at me. Well, you and know I, what? At least, you know, if you're going to live the rest of your life by yourself, at least, you know, who left the toilet seat up. Right. Well, then three weeks later, she came to me and she said, you know, you're an asshole, but you're right. And I said, and what do you mean? She goes, you weren't telling me I wasn't worth being loved. I said, no, that's not what I said. She said, you were telling me to stop looking for a replacement for Adam, that Adam is done. And that if I'm looking for a replacement, I'm not looking for someone new. I'm just looking for something to fill the hole. I've got to be by myself for a while. Well, what I've loved about that is she, about six months later, she actually met her husband and they've been married for about 10 years now. And I don't, you know, but, but what, what I can say is I've never taken that advice before. And that was true. That was a truth. And it is now finished because I am now very comfortable by myself. You said you're not free. Well, I don't think I'm free because I'm, I, right now, I still don't know what I'm doing with my life. And perhaps that's unfinished. And, and I think it is unfinished. I think huh. maybe the answer is the truth, big truths are always unfinished until the end of the story. And the end of the story right. is death, you know. <laughs> well, that's the end of the story. So you're gone. Yeah, fuck it. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, I, I, I hope to Christ I don't lay on my deathbed in the last moments of my life and go, look at all that rent I paid and look at all the savings I had and look at my credit score. I really hope that at yeah. my well, last moments, that's not what's really sticking in my mind. I hope it's people I met and things I did that were more important and, and, and bigger than uh, material. But I don't know. I hope I hope that's the case. I mean, maybe I'll, as I die, I'll go, look at all the electric bills I paid. And that'll be sad. That's fun. I think it's pretty rare for people to be in their deathbed and regret like the monetary accomplishments they didn't make. I think you're right. I think you're right. My first thing, it's a listen. You son of a bitch. It's honestly with Barry Weiss. This is a great, we've we've talked about this episode before, or this, uh, this podcast before, but Barry interviews James Carville, the Democratic strategist, the Raging Cajun, um, the head, the, the, the title of the actual episode is, uh, James Carville says wokeness will be dangerous and much more from the democratic political, political icon. This is a great, great episode. Um, it is, it's, it's 100% James Carville. It's funny. It's insightful. It's smart. It's my opinion, 100% right. It is reasonable. It is rational. And that's my thing. And Don, what do you have going on this week? My first thing is a read. It's in this strange, obscure magazine called The Atlantic. It is by Yasha Monk. It is called Where the New Identity Politics Went Wrong. Subhead, don't let right-wing culture warriors obscure the fact that some ideas behind this progressive ideology have genuine problems. Um, Yasha Monk, uh, he's, he's written a number of books. He's a very smart guy. Uh, he's definitely, uh, I think, you know, I don't know if he would agree with this. I think he's probably more libertarian than he is liberal. 
but uh, it's it's a really good read on sort of following the concept of how uh, I don't know how to say his name. Harvey Weinstein. Michelle Foucault? 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 Smith. Foucault? Okay, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, yes. You know, it just, it's... Uh, you're right. The in, French, in French philosopher that... Yes. Well, the French philosopher that a lot of the woke ideology kind of uh, stems from. And he talks about where it came from and where the blind spots are. And it's not like a, hey, woke is bad. It's just like... Yeah, there's some real inconsistencies that are really sabotaging uh, this particular ideology's uh, ability to actually foment change. So it's a really good article. Um, and it is entitled, once again, Where the New Identity Politics Went Wrong. It is in the Atlantic. Highly worth reading. Mm. All right. Uh, so um, I'll start off my first thing. I did a, a long thing and a short thing. So if you're interested in like child development and psychology, um, I watched a video the other day. It's about 15 years ago. It's called the baby human shopping cart study. That's the baby human shopping cart study. So that is so, uh, so when we're, <laughs> I so love we, it. Well, what's, what's, what's it again? The baby human shopping cart study. So, uh, it, when we're born and when we're like early stages of toddlerhood, we, uh, we view ourselves essentially as extensions of our mothers and at what point do we recognize ourselves as individuals? There's an experiment that basically takes a shopping cart with a carpet attached to it, and a mother on the other side says, come here, come here. They stand on the carpet, and they can't push this cart. At what age do you realize the cart's not the problem? I'm the problem. I'm staying on the carpet. So it's really interesting in this two-and-a-half-minute video to see at what age do they step off the carpet or lift the carpet and push the cart instead of trying to budge this cart while standing on this carpet. So it's a, so it's a transformation from uh, extension of mother to individuality. Uh, and it's, I think it's very interesting. That oh, I love that. Fascinating. What is it called yeah. again? Uh, <laughs> 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 the baby human shopping cart study. They, they, they're pretty, it's, I mean, you know, as, as many times you said it, I realized that the, uh, that's the least imaginative name for that specific study they can come up with. Very specific. It's like calling a black so hole right, a black yeah. hole. Yeah, yeah. It's just really very black holes on basic black holes. Black holes, and black holes. <laughs> wow. that's, that's a website I that's don't it. recommend going to because you will you will you will pay for it. Black holes on black holes. Right, David, David, David. Your second uh -oh. thing. Oh. Yeah. That was loud. It was a lot of cough. Jesus. He's okay. Or he's dead. Either eh, whatever. Um, I was getting new kid. I get my own. <laughs> okay. Uh, edit. Yeah, this is going to be my, heavy my second, editing. I'm my glad we're doing this on Friday week. night so I have an entire weekend to edit this fucking thing. <laughs> my second thing this week is a watch, and it is tied directly to what I was talking about earlier about the uh, interview with James Carville. This is a documentary, a 1993 documentary about Bill Clinton's campaign for president in 1992 against George H.W. Bush. It's called The War Room. Mm. I have not watched stuff. it fully. I didn't really. Know this, this, oh, yeah, it's no, I didn't, so good. 
Dude, this is one of those things. It's, it's like pornography for me. I masturbate to that movie. Oh my God. So what Barry said in the in in, in the episode was like, this is my like some people watch uh Notting Hill is their comfort movie. Yeah, yeah. The War Room is my comfort movie. Uh-huh. So what's funny is like there are movie blind spots we all have, right? Like I hadn't seen Alien until I was 43, like eight months ago, maybe whatever, you know, like not that long ago. I was 20, I saw Alien. Not eight when I saw Godfather or 26. Yeah. yeah, I was in my 20s when I saw yeah. Godfather. It's just like you just sometimes like miss what's wrong with you people things. But it's like, why would I go see it? Because like I know what it is because it's such a part of the zeitgeist and the culture and everything else. So War Room, while I love the early 90s, 80s, like that's my, you know. You're coming of age. Post-Cold War is my coming of age. And the ass end of it when I was like coming of age again, you know, I completely missed it. So I started it. Then Oh, it's a bone. It's very late. Super fun, super fun. This is a thing for me to do as well, but I'm super excited about it. And the reason it's connected to James Carville is because Carville was uh, Bill Clinton's campaign manager. And that was his first big, big, big win. It was his first first big, big, big big win. Put him on the map. And, you know, for those of you who don't remember, like the Clinton campaign against George H.W. Bush. And? And? And Bross Perot. Thank you was a fucking like i was still too young at the time to understand what was going on but i knew that shit was just like oh there's some shit going on it just because i watched snl like yeah. that's like there you go i um, love bubba love bubba it was a like that election changed a lot of things and made a like it was a, it was a big moment it was a pivotal moment. it was as influential to american politics as 2016's presidential election was. And, and my, before that, other ones, yeah. My second thing oh, is... I, I, I'm sorry. Oh, I want to yeah. say something really quick about the, the election. The 92 election, as I remember being told, it was my earliest memory of being told about like political manipulation was 1992 Clinton, because he was young at the time, dyeing his hair dark for younger audiences and dyeing yep. his hair... Uh, gray for older audience, like speaking in retirement homes. Is that true? Uh, that's that how is, I. That is true. I yeah, that, that is, is true. true. That is absolutely true. He was a young. He was a young guy at the time. He was yeah, like yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, that is absolutely well, I, I, true. I had never heard of somebody like manipulating. The thing is, he didn't dye it. What he did was, uh, he his hair was naturally dark, so he didn't dye it dark. But when he went to older audiences and more conservative groups, he would highlight gray in his hair. That is true. Yeah. Fuck off. That is absolutely true. I had See, ne- I had never heard like wait that. people can like that's lie that like yeah. I, yeah. I, that's well, I, I was it, I didn't learn it. I was I was stupid. one in the ninety two election, but this is like you know years later is like a speech class. Like I didn't know that people. Yeah. Would just well, lie. See, the thing is, you got to you got to remember the thing about, about it is as soon as television came into play, and that you know this 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 is political theory. 104 in the lab class as soon as television came into play your political acumen made very little difference and the perfect example of that is the nixon kennedy debate because nixon was sweaty 
Ted, you know, he did not comport himself well he, on television. He refused makeup. He refused and to make exactly, makeup. and he, he looked so like a sweaty mess. And, women wear makeup, not men. And, exactly, and Kennedy <laughs> yeah. looked gorgeous on television. If you read the transcript of that debate, Nixon beat the shit yeah. out of him. If you yeah. read the transcript, Nixon had all the right answers. That's a big thing. Like those who listen, like change it from the transcript, like. Yeah. On radio, uh, those who listened to it on radio were like Nixon, totally won. He beat the wow. shit out of him, like Kennedy, clearly. Like it was, and it was like 50 50 split. And at that point, at that point in history, television changed American politics. Yeah. And I would argue, I would argue that had that not mo- had television not become a part of politics, Donald Trump would have never gotten elected. Interesting, dude. I'll tell you one thing I think that if Kennedy, that Kennedy was the most important thing to television. No, absolutely. Since the invention of television. This is a guy, this is a guy that who single-handedly changed a fashion trend for men in the country, in that every man wore hats. Every man had a hat on until Kennedy came by and he wasn't wearing hats. And all of a sudden, hat sales went down the toilet because men stopped wearing hats. Wow. Brian, Brian made a good point. He said that, that, I don't know if you heard this now, but he said that, that John Kennedy had a nice head of hair. And I will go one step further and say that John Kennedy's head of hair would blow your fucking mind. And not only that, head of Shame hair. On you. Shame on you, David Hibble. My second thing, because you got it wrong, David. You actually got it wrong. That tells you how, how much better I am than you when it comes to my allegiance to Honestly with Barry Weiss. Fucking because hate. because the name... The name of the episode, you got the name of the episode wrong, David. Um, the episode is James Carville. James Carville says wokeness is over. 2024 will be dangerous and much um, more. That is the name that? of the, you said that wokeness is dangerous. I, I've got it on tape. The title of the episode is wokeness right. is over. Um, 2024 will be dangerous and much more. And it is absolutely worth your time. I recommend it. And I have a better recommendation because I've been listening to Barry Weiss and honestly for far longer than David. In my defense, this is not a Rorschach of the news. The headline doesn't have to be exact. It just needs to be a listen to the recommendation should be exact. It's a recommendation, David. So Ryan, so in two years, we're, we're talking no more political correctness. God, I God, I hope so. That'd be great. I just wish comedians would come out and speak about their anti-woke opinions. No one's doing it. You know what? I want to hear more like, <laughs> like, like conservative comedians. Like, yeah. Comedian Rob love? Schneider, that, that's the first comedian that comes to mind. But, but who's the guy that does the shows the, with the with the hair and the... Jim Brewer. Oh, hair top. No, not... <laughs> who the fuck? It's the guy... Ah, shit. He's the... Bill Maher. He's the fucking white guy with, with like the blondish hair. That's oh, like uh, that. Steve Harvey, white guy. God damn it! No, there's a dude that we have laughed at for years. And oh, said, uh, yes, okay. Stein, uh, the, um, uh, Stein, crap. His S T I N E. He spells it conveniently. Um, <laughs> comedian. Comedian. Give us a second because this is a this is like a bonus. Brad Stein. Okay. Is there that you go. right? Brad oh. Stein. Yep. There you go. Don, if you have not seen Brad Stein. Who's stand- Brad Stein? Fuck. Is Brad- he funny? S-T-I. No. Oh, oh okay. So it's bad. Not It's like Hannah. Oh, it's like Hannah Gadsby like bad. This, His jokes are like this. 
liberals want everyone to have everything they need to live and survive. Or what's wrong with them? Hey, don't talk to me. You don't even wear deodorant. Like like stuff like like stupid like your great uncle's jokes. Like what? Oh, why? I want to see this. This sounds terrible. Why should children have food? I don't have food sometimes. I have to go to the grocery yeah. store. Kids should go to the grocery store. If I didn't have Brad Stein as one of my two things, like, that would be a great yeah. one. Every, don't miss Brad Stein. Everyone who loves comedy fucker. or oh. hates comedy, oh. and anyone above. If, if you have a brain for comedy, Brad Stein. <laughs> if you hate comedy. See, what I want to do. Like, just, I want to have a double bill. I want to have a double bill. I want to have a double bill of Hannah Gadsby's Nanette <laughs> and Brad Stein. And I'll walk away <laughs> hating comedy in every way. So different. He went, Brad Stein is so funny. He went on Huckabee show and this this set bombed. That's set, that so says bad. everything you need to say. He was on in Huckabee the, but then he's the most 1980s hack comedian. That oh, that's the best. In the 2010. But then Huckabee, who nobody knows is to be like a humorous guy, has a joke like, oh, I'm off. I I like comedy. Here's my joke, and that joke played better than basically any part of his of Brad Stein's whole set. So it's so bad. You know, it reminds me of. Have you? It's the one thing. There are very few things about being on Instagram again that I enjoy. But one of the things I've really enjoyed is that I followed Andrew Dice Clay, and he's oh, an yeah, old yeah. fucking dude. And I swear to God, Little the funniest. He's the funny, but but the funniest time. thing about Andrew's ice clay is that he does videos of him going into places and no one recognizing him and he going, you know me, right? And they have no fucking idea who no he clue. is. It is so fucking funny. So yeah. That that's my assignment for you, Don. I've never met you, but watch like watch a couple sets of Brad of Brad. Oh, Stein. I'm going to. Oh, I'm going to. It's on my list now. Right. I have to. It's gonna hurt, but you know. <laughs> It, but no, exercise, no, no pain, no pain, no gain. Exercise something you feel good, but yeah. you feel better after. The yeah. truth will set you free, set you but free. not till it's done, not till it's finished oh. with you. Not so hard because that punchline joke. Exactly. Yeah. I have to watch some Brad Stein so I can hurt the, the truth and then I will be free because it'll yes. be done. Thank you, Brian. Well, uh, well you know, he, he's got, he's got, oh, he's got, oh, I thought Brad Stein was your last thing. I'm it sorry. Mine, yeah. things. Um, a little darker here. Uh, no. My second thing is uh, Come and See, which is a 1985 movie by Elam Klimov. I didn't bother to check the pronunciation of that. So it is, uh, if you're a movie person, um, it is one of like the most dark, haunting depictions of World War II I've ever seen. You see it, Don? I have. See? I have. Dude. All right. So it's it's from What's the called? Come and See. Come and See. Obviously, it's a translation. C-U-M? It is from. No, no, not that. C-U-M? No, no, no. See it, so look up um two girls one no uh, so this is a uh, so it's it's from the Soviet perspective um yeah. and if you guys if you guys thought that the Soviets and Germans liked from, each other from 1985 yeah 1985 yeah, okay. yeah this is it so it is it is so it's like, dark so th- this ba- as I remember th- basically this teenager gets ripped from his family and pushed into a war situation Jesus. and. Um, yeah, the Soviets and Germans, they did not like each other, David. Um, and it's just, <laughs> you might have thought. Things I heard on the train this morning. Oh, oh. yeah. Uh, and <laughs> it just, it, it's it's just part mindfuck, part holy shit, the, the psychological turmoil of war, especially on young adults. It, it's, I've never seen a movie like that. Maybe besides like Threads, another like, that was like a nuclear holocaust mm, movie in the yeah. 80s. Uh, but come and see. Highly recommend it if you have 
the stomach for psychological torture. There's no, there's not, it's not like torture porn or anything like no, that. No, 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 but it, it's just, holy shit. War is gnarly, man. Yep. yep. It's a good movie, it, but it's also a very good movie. So, yeah, it's not, it's not just like, it's not like Brad Stein. You have to see this bad stand up. Oh, yeah. Cuttacy is actually a very good film. So it's a very good I film that you. happens to tackle some very dark subject matter. Yes. I promise you, Don, and I'm promising you right now, when this episode ends, Ryan and I are going to watch some fucking Brad Stein. Yes. I'm going to watch some Brad Stein. I'm going to watch some Brad Stein because I <laughs> had to get fucking weird, man. S-T-I-N-E, because you don't want to scare the conservative audience. Sucks because yeah, you don't want to think of it. You yeah, exactly. You don't want to think of it as a Jew. All right, thank you, Brian. It has been a joy meeting you, guys. As you this guys have been drinking. Really appreciate it. You can listen to the Literate Ape Cast on literateape.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you go to get that delicious podcast experience. If you enjoy the dulcet sounds of two white guys babbling about whatever comes into their stunted brains, leave us a review anywhere that, you know, re- reviews are left. And share it with someone whom which you have a dubious relationship. For information about Literate Ape, Go to literateape.com, of course, and check out the rest of our podcasts and our years of scribbling. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. Yeah.